0: I'm going to start in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. We're going to read some in in chapter 1 and then we'll move over to chapter 2. Also, there's quite a few uh, different scriptures I want to share with you tonight. This kind of in some ways ties into my message this morning about victory. It's just going a little bit further. So, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message, <clears throat> which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, and He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. <clears throat> now this morning we talked about victory. The victory we have through what Jesus did on the cross. We not only have victory over death, but we also have been set free. We are we are free. We've been liberated. Right? And I don't mean to sound like I'm a hippie. I mean, we've been, we were captive and we have been liberated from that prison. So, you know, that's all fine and dandy. Today we were really focusing on the end result, being that it doesn't matter what we go through here, our freedom, our victory, is in the end, right? But I want you to look at this Scripture tonight, I want you to think for a minute, you know, sometimes we get tangled up in sin. All of us do. And I think this Scripture reinforces that, that none of us have come to the point where we're above sin, right? It says if we say we don't have sin, we're a liar, because we've all sinned. But if you look at verse 8, no, I'm sorry, not verse 8, verse 9, you see that sin sometimes begins to weigh on us. And rightfully so. It should, right? We should feel conviction in our heart when we have sin in our life. But sometimes not only, see, we, we will sin and we will then confess our sin and we're forgiven, but sometimes that guilt still remains. The guilt still remains, right? That's that's evidence of the damage that sin has done in your life. That's evidence of that little bit of foothold you've given to Satan because he's still beating you up over it. But I want you to look at verse 9 again. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that tells me? That reinforces that victory today, that it's not just for end times, it's also for right now. That victory, see, we may mess up, sometimes we do things we shouldn't do, and we rightfully have to go to God and ask that He forgives us of it, but you know what? We ought to leave it right there. Because if we get up and we've been forgiven we get up and we pick that baggage up with us and, and say, well, I just want to carry this a little bit longer because I don't feel like I've served my penance for what I've done. We're going about it the wrong way. We're ignoring the victory we have. See, the victory's been won. This morning I talked about winning a game, you know, a sporting event, basketball or baseball, whatever it may be. You, you win and you feel that, that joy well up within you. You say, oh man, we, we really did good, right? Well, in this scenario, you've won, you've received the victory, but you still feel like you're defeated. That's not the way we ought to be. Man, that victory is there. The victory's been won. We've, we, Jesus conquered not only death, hell, and the grave, but He conquered sin. There's been several times in my life that I've done something and uh, just it was hard to get over. You keep saying to yourself, Man, I just wish I wouldn't have done that. God forgive me. God forgive me. And he's, What are you talking about, Kevin? Because see, God forgets. You know, He can do that. But He does it because He chooses to. He doesn't remember that sin against you anymore. And we're still beating ourselves up over it. Not reveling in the victory. We're reveling in the defeat. We get tied up in that stuff. And man, you know what happens? Satan just has his way with you. He begins to work on you. Begins to tear you down. And what's so sad about that? He doesn't have any right to. We let Him. We let Him do it. See, if you were sitting in sin, not repenting of it, He has the right to beat you up. Because you stepped out of that grace. You stepped out from under the protecting arm of Jesus and went and wallowed in sin. And if you stay there, and you don't repent. Man, He's got every right to just tear you up. But when you repent, and that sin is erased and forgiven, He don't have a right, but we give it to Him when we sit there in it. So see, He's, he's getting uh, His punches in, and He don't even have any right to it. Turn over to uh, chapter 2, verse 1 we'll continue there. <clears throat> My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now listen to that. You see, John's not telling them, oh man, go ahead and do what you want to do. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want any of you to sin, but if you do, Praise God, we've got an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. Do you all remember what propitiation means? It's an appeasement for wrath. You see, God had a right to be angry and to express His anger towards you in wrath. Because of our sinful nature. He has a right to that. But Jesus was the appeasement of that wrath. You see, there's sometimes that my kids will do things to make me angry. But you know what? They can do one little thing, and all of a sudden that anger begins to subside. They can say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. All of a sudden, see, one little act can can change how I feel toward them. Jesus was that appeasement. He took that wrath upon Himself. Why am I telling you this stuff tonight? Because you can't find victory when you wallow in defeat. You can't. Victory sitting there waiting on you. But when you, you, you say, yeah, but... Yeah, but... No, there's no buts. You're either in sin or you're forgiven. One of the two. There is no middle ground. And I want you to to, to see what it says about God. I don't remember exactly where it was at now. I know I read it in this... Probably in chapter 1, it says that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness. So, you know, sometimes we find ourselves examining gray areas. Those gray areas, you know what? They might as well be dark. Because in God there is no darkness. And you see, in order to have gray, there has to be some level of darkness, some level. So the next time you find yourself examining a gray area in your life, saying, well, maybe this ain't too bad. That's not godly. You might get away with it a time or two, but it's not godly. You can't say this is righteous, this is undefiled, this is pure, this is holy, because if it was, it wouldn't be gray. It wouldn't be gray, it'd be light. Alright, where was we? He is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world. What was John? He was a Jew, right? That means everybody else. So when he says us, he's talking to us Jews. Everybody else. Jesus paid the price for them also. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Whoso keepeth His word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in Him. He that saith, He abideth in him himself also, so to walk, even as he walked." Go down to verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Brother John's talked about that in Sunday school quite a bit lately. We've been talking about how the Lord is our shepherd. we talked about Psalms 23. We're working our way through it. And you know... Uh, One thing he's pointed out is that he takes such good care of us and loves us so much and has done so much for us, not just because he loves us, but for his namesake. Because he is who he says he is. If he were to do any less, then guess what? God would be a liar. But our sins are forgiven for his namesake. His son came and died. And you know what? He said, our sins are forgiven because of Him. So He's going to remind you right now, your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did. Skip down to verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's real easy to get tied up in the things going on in the world. And you know, you may you may say, well, this ain't sin. And, you know, you may be right. Whatever it is you're tied up in, it may not be sin. But if it's of the world, it's not of God. And man, look, I'm not trying to uh, condemn anybody here tonight. We all face these same kind of battles. We, we have things, we have jobs, we have all of these different things in the world that are necessities sometimes. Sometimes they're for pleasure, they're fun. But all of these things, even though it may not be sin, leads us to sin because it becomes such a a God to us. We begin to lust after more and more and more. And guess what? Lust is sin. You start to say, well, this is nice, but man, I wish I had one of those. And it's okay to want something, but when you begin to, to put that as your focus in life and you begin to say, well, man, what is it going to take and I'll do whatever I need to do to get it, you better start second guessing yourself. You better start questioning your motives because you're, in, you're entering into an area where sin abounds. You see, you look around this world, you can look in this church, and you see people that are so focused on events and things in their life that they have missed what God wants them to do. They have set it all on the back burner for that momentary fulfillment of pleasure in their life. And as they look to those things, they think, man, this is going to be it. This is going to be the the very thing I need. And when I get it, it's going to be so awesome. And then they get it and, well, that was pretty cool. About ten minutes later, they're off to do something else. And, And they don't see it. They don't see how it let them down. They don't see the disappointment that there was because they're in search of the next thing. I got a new TV a while back, and some of y'all would probably see it and think, man, that is a huge TV, but you know, I got that TV, I looked at the store, man, that's nice, that is nice, I want that TV. I wouldn't say I lusted after it, I, I'm not trying to say I did that, but I want to give you an example. You know, I got that TV home and it do not look so big anymore. You see, that momentary satisfaction was just that. It was momentary. I'm already looking at that TV thinking, you know, a few more inches, that thing would be pretty nice then. If I would have, have got the 60 inch instead of the 52 inch. You know what I mean? That's how we do in this life. We, we look at those things and say, oh, this is so nice, but you know what, that one would be a little bit better that would be so much better. That's, That's really where I want to be, right? And it may not be with things. It may be your job. You may say, man, you know, my job's okay, but I wish I had this over here. And all along, God is saying, you know what? If you get that job, here's the damage that's going to be done in your life. If you get that possession, here's what you're going to have to pay for it. And I ain't talking about financial things. I'm talking about spiritual sacrifice. And we find ourselves in the middle of that stuff all the time. And all we have to do is turn to God. And there's victory. It's waiting on us right there. It's just right before us. You see, there's two different ways you can preach this message. You can preach to the lost and say, listen, you come to Jesus and there's victory. But you can also preach to the seasoned Christian, the one that's been around a long time, the one that knows all the ins and outs of Christianity. And you can say, listen, if you will lay down that stuff in your life, whatever it may be, if you'll just lay it down and let God be God, there's victory. Too many times we grow up as Christians and we get to a point we think, man, we've got this figured out. We can handle it on our own. Wait a minute. (laughs) Don't that sound foolish? We do that all the time, Jerry. I do it all the time. Man, I've been a Christian a long time. i got this figured out, man. And God's sitting there saying, Kevin, do you hear how foolish that sounds? Y'all ever said something and immediately realized how stupid it sounded? How many times have you said something that you didn't, <laughs> but everybody else did? Right? I don't know. And you're like, what? And they, they say, you just said, and you're like, oh man, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> God does that to me all the time. Kevin, do you realize how stupid that sounds? I'm the master. I'm the king. And you think you can just do this on your own? No. You see, we find ourselves there. all. I, I don't, maybe y'all don't. I do. I find myself there a lot. I find myself there a lot. Maybe y'all do too, but you hadn't examined it. Right? I don't know. I'll let y'all deal with that. I ain't gonna meddle too much there. Go down to verse twenty-eight, <clears throat> and now, little children, abide in Him. What does that mean? What does abide mean? Anybody? Y'all give me. Somebody, give me some words. stay with him dwell with him now think about that for a minute my house is where I abide it's where I stay that's where I live abide in him that means that's where you that's where your home is your home is him you you should always come back there you may get off in sin but you need to come back to Him, right? And sometimes we live our Christian lives and we hear these little teachings and we start to veer off to another direction, but we need to come back to the source, Jesus. If that teaching don't ever come back to Jesus, it's probably not right. You need to watch out. That when He shall appear, we may have confidence... There's a whole lot of Christians need confidence. And not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Can you imagine what it would be like to be ashamed when Jesus shows up? There ain't time to work those things out. I don't want to be ashamed. You know what? I I was doing a little bit of reading about this. And this actually wasn't even in the commentary, but... One little word he said kind of keyed it off in my mind. I was thinking about what it what it really meant to be confident and not ashamed when he showed up. And you know, we always talk about the bride of Christ and how the church is the bride of Christ. And I got to thinking, you know, what would it be like when there's a wedding and the bride shows up and her beautiful dress is just all stained and and she fell down in the mud before she came in her hair's all a mess and how how would she feel most of them wouldn't even come out right because they're so ashamed they're definitely not confident and i got I got to thinking about that you know that that's not too far off from what this Scripture has been teaching the, the past two chapters really, when Jesus shows up, the, the bridegroom, are we going to be able to just step out and go to meet Him? Or are we going to feel like a bride that fell down in the mud on her way into the church and just we're covered in, in whatever? We're not prepared to meet Him not prepared to go join with Him. Man, I don't want to be that way. And you know, I don't want to be one of those that that I'm saved, but I sure wish I could have done so much more. I don't want to be ashamed to any extent. I want to hear, not only, well done, that good and faithful servant, but you know, it would be nice to hear, man, Kevin, you did a good job, man. You did good. Come on in, man. Look at your reward. I get to thinking about that stuff sometimes. What is that going to be like? How many people are going to get into heaven and and they got this, this little reward? And then there's all these others around. I know there's not going to be no, no sadness, y'all. There's not going to be no tears, but I don't know. I can't help but think about it. I don't want to have just a, just a little bit, right? I'm not looking for wealth and fame from my, my Savior. But what I want is I want a great reward from Him. I, I just want, I, I'm just looking for that satisfaction of knowing that He is pleased with me, right? I can't find that if I can't get past sin. I can't find that if I can't let go of, of the, the things that have stained my life. You see, there's a song, it's called Amazing Grace, and it says that those stains are washed away by His blood. I'm putting that in my terms. Those stains are washed away. We need to live like those stains are washed away. That's how we need to live, confident, not ashamed. Confident. We need some confident Christians today. Listen, you can't go tell somebody about the good things God has done for you if you're ashamed and not confident. Because the first time they're going to ask you a question, you're going to start to stammer.